stay at home and uh, limit your contact in person with each other. A fresh caution following the Cowichan tribe's sixth COVID death plus. When you've never had to pay for something and now you have to pay, yes. do you want to do it? Yes. <laughs> Victims of their own success, why you'll have to pay to park at two Metro Vancouver parks and. He has a heart of gold and just wonderful. <laughs> An emotional eulogy from a son to a father as Walter Gretzky is honored at his funeral. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. It's a reminder that despite the arrival of vaccines, the pandemic continues to exact a toll on too many people in B.C. The Cowichan Tribe's First Nation on Vancouver Island is extending its shelter-in-place order for two more weeks due to rising COVID case numbers and a sixth COVID-related death. More than 1,200 vaccinations, mostly first doses, were administered during last weekend's mass drive-through immunization at Cowichan Tribes. Since late February, two more people have died for a total of six deaths. The Duncan-based First Nation continues to see COVID-19 spread in its community with an increase in cases and hospitalizations. Cowichan Tribes has had 255 COVID cases since the end of December, with 96 households affected. We are in full, fully engaged in the battle with COVID-19 and uh, we're making strides but we are still experiencing new cases every day. It is so important for us to continue the precautions that we've asked of everybody to stay at home and uh, limit your contact in person with each other. The Cowichan Tribe's shelter-in-place order is now in effect until March 19th. With first-dose clinics complete, the First Nation anticipates this will be the last extension needed, but only if everyone continues to do their part and case numbers continue to go down. Motorists are being put on notice. If you want to escape to two Metro Vancouver parks this summer or spring, it's going to cost you. Seasonal pay parking will soon go into effect at Lynn Headwaters Regional Park on the North Shore and Belcara in the Tri-Cities. Imad Agahi has more on the recreational areas that are now victims of their own success. The signs are up and the parking meter will follow any day now. We want people to come outside. We don't want to bring barriers for people to coming outside. A message that is now confusing everyday park users in North Vancouver who soon will have to cough up $2 an hour to go on a hike. $2 an hour? Hmm. I don't know. It's a bit much. <laughs> We're in a pandemic. You want people outside. Let's just say it's not something she wants to get used to. You've never had to pay for something and now you have to pay. Yes. Do you want to do it? Yes. <laughs> You'll remember how the pandemic and good weather last year brought soaring demand for Metro Vancouver's regional parks. The beach is pretty crowded, yeah. Traffic was up 40% at places like Lynn Headwaters and Belcara, leaving officials almost helpless in enforcing social distancing and dealing with parking disasters. First thing in the morning, the parking lot fills up, sometimes before 8 a.m., and people fight for parking spots throughout the day. Metro Vancouver's best plan to avoid the same situation seems to be now charging for parking. So I'll just go to other places where I can park for free. If it's every day or like every other day we're coming out, that adds up, right? I don't know. Frustrating? Yeah, absolutely. 
That sucks. When you have to pay for parking, that puts you on a time limit. Those in charge of both Balcara and Lynn Headwater say they're hoping people get here more efficiently now. We realize that there are other opportunities for people to access our regional parks, including transit. But for those actually making these trips, it's easy to forecast a summer of more illegal street parking on narrow shoulders. If you have to pay for parking here, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot more people doing that. As people avoid pricey parking and tickets. Amadagahi, Global News. Interior Health has declared another COVID-19 outbreak at Kelowna General Hospital. As of this morning, a patient and a staff member have tested positive on Unit 5B. Health officials say the outbreak is not linked to an earlier outbreak on Unit 4B that began last month. There is no evidence COVID transmission has spread to other areas of Kelowna General, which remains open to appointments and emergency care. A B.C. Supreme Court judge has reserved his decision on a request from three Fraser Valley churches to toss out provincial health orders that prevent them from holding in-person services. A lawyer for the churches argues Dr. Bonnie Henry's orders reflect a value judgment. But a lawyer for the B.C. Attorney General argued chapter, charter rights do not trump the public health mandate. Chief Justice Christopher Hinkson said no, has given no date on when he would release his decision. One man is dead in what appears to be a targeted shooting in a rural community outside of Victoria. Roadblocks were set up in Machosan Friday night and just opened late this afternoon. West Shore RCMP responded to the 4600 block of Kangaroo Road where they found a 37-year-old man fatally shot. The victim was known to police and his death is believed to have been targeted. No arrests have been made. Vancouver Island's Integrated Major Crime Unit is investigating and asking anyone with information to come forward, including those in the area between 8.30 and 9.30 last night. Violence and, and crimes such as shootings uh, know no boundaries. Unfortunately, criminals uh, can operate in any areas of uh, the Capital Regional District and beyond. And for that reason, we rely heavily upon uh, the information that can be provided by witnesses. A retired mission teacher and former CFL player is accused of sex crimes dating back more than a decade. Mission RCMP released this photo of Donald Allen Sweet in order to speak with anyone who may have more information about those or potentially other offenses. Police say two former female students came forward more than a year ago with allegations of assault and sexual assault against Sweet. It's alleged the offenses happened between 2007 and 2008 in the Mission School District and a conference center near Chilliwack. Sweet has been formally charged with four counts of sexual interference, two counts of sexual assault and one count of assault. The former all-star CFL kicker is set to appear in Abbotsford Provincial Court March 15th. A plea tonight from Port Moody Police to find a missing man who has Alzheimer's disease. David Leroy Smith left his home just after 11 o'clock this morning. The 82-year-old was driving his silver four-door 2007 Nissan Sentra, similar to the one in this photo, with license plate number 075LTD. Police say he could be confused about where he's going or how to get home. He typically wears a black face mask. He likes going to Stanley Park, the Hammond area of Maple Ridge, walking the dikes in Port Coquitlam and Pitt Meadows, or may possibly try to visit family members in Abbotsford. If you spot him, please call Port Moody Police and stay with him until they arrive.
The warning is prevalent at most parks. Don't feed the wildlife, but clearly that message isn't being heeded often enough, given the growing number of coyote attacks in Stanley Park this year. As Paul Johnson reports, that's prompted a Vancouver councillor to introduce a new city bylaw. Living with wild animals in our midst. Most Vancouverites will tell you it's one of the best things about the city. So close to nature and open spaces, you might be surprised to know that Vancouver doesn't currently have a law on the books against feeding wild animals. Around here in my neighborhood, we do get a lot of feeding of, of crows and gulls. Vancouver City Councilor Pete Fry has a love of wild animals that goes back years. He's even been involved with an online group who are passionate about the city's crows. So it was natural for him to pay close attention to this. I felt a nip on my shin, turned around, and there's a coyote there. And it was evident at that point that I'd been bit. And I yelled and screamed at it to get away. And it didn't cower at all. It wasn't afraid of me. It was looking for another bite or some food. Brandon Kirk is one of several attacked by a coyote in Stanley Park in recent months. He was out running at the time. If you've been down there, you've seen the warning signs are everywhere. Councillor Fry says previous problem interactions with wildlife have more often than not been the result of people feeding them. These are, in fact, opportunistic attacks because they were likely habituated by being fed by people. Fry is clear that no one is certain why coyote attacks have spiked recently, but says exploring the idea of a bylaw can't hurt. He points out Vancouverites have had well-known struggles with raccoons and skunks in recent years. He'll be pitching the idea at the next city council meeting. Paul Johnson, Global News. A new transportation link opened up to traffic in Richmond City Centre today. The River Park Parkway extension is a new north-south route through Richmond and is meant to be an alternative to number three road and to ease congestion. It'll also facilitate future development of the 15-hectare Lulu Island Park where the existing river road is located. The project cost $13.2 million. The Vancouver School Board has been looking into the role police should play in public schools, going so far as to get an independent review into whether the district should continue with school liaison officers. Nadia Stewart now with some of the report's findings. Vancouver police officers might not be seen anymore in schools in the city now that the future of the school liaison officer program is up in the air. At the request of the school board, the program was reviewed. Now the results are in. When I hear concerns about harm or lack of safety, whether it's a feeling or an experience that's rooted in intergenerational experiences um, or experiences in the community, that definitely gives me pause. According to the report, students who identified as Black and Indigenous were more likely to say they had positive and negative feelings connected to safety in schools. But compared to the overall student population, they were less likely to refer to positive relationships with school liaison officers using the words uncomfortable, scared, or anxious to characterize their feelings. For black students, their perception of the program was more likely to be affected by their view of police as symbols of larger societal concerns, including systemic racism. To VSB trust there are speakers lined up to comment on the report when it's presented at Monday's meeting. From my own experience, I've been on the receiving end of uh, inappropriate conduct by an SLO officer when I was a student in Vancouver. 
But for hundreds of people who signed a petition calling for the removal of SLOs, the program is doing more harm than good. The school board really needs to redouble its efforts in its outreach and in its relationship building with these oppressed and marginalized groups to start and from there come up with a community-based solution. In an email, Vancouver police say the program's primary goal is addressing the safety and diverse needs of students, families, educators and staff. The report's authors say there are many perspectives on the future of the program and that overall there is a lack of familiarity with it. Councillors will hear more from the community in the coming days. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Poet and activist Amanda Gorman, who gained fame around the world as poet laureate at President Joe Biden's inauguration ceremony, says she was racially profiled outside her apartment. She took to Twitter Friday night, writing that a security guard followed her on her walk home, demanding to know if she lived in her apartment because she, quote, looked suspicious. Gorman says she showed her keys and buzzed into her building. She says he left with no apology and tweeted, this is the reality of black girls. One day you're called an icon, the next day a threat. The 22-year-old became the country's first national poet laureate in 2017. A BC company has made good on its promise to the mother of a special needs child. Earlier this year, she issued an unusual plea. Jerrica Roman has autism, extreme oral aversion, and complex eating challenges. The nine-year-old started eating Nature's Path cinnamon maple waffles last year before the flavor was discontinued. Since he goes through two boxes a day, his mother, Jenna, started a GoFundMe to raise enough money to buy up the remaining waffles. But Nature's Path was a step ahead, tracking down the last six cases in North America for her. It also developed a home recipe for Jenna. That recipe and all the ingredients needed have since been delivered to Jenna Roman. Good for them. A small funeral was held in Brantford, Ontario today to honour one of Canada's proudest hockey dads. Walter Gretzky, the father of Canadian hockey legend Wayne Gretzky, was laid to rest in his hometown today. The older Gretzky was fiercely dedicated to the game and guided a rising star from their backyard rink all the way to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Today, he was eulogised by his son who considered his dad the great one. With hockey sticks in hand and jerseys on their backs, people line the sidewalk outside St. Mark's Anglican Church in Brantford, Ontario, as a family, community and nation bid farewell to Walter Gretzky. He was a remarkable man who loved life, loved family. We'd be a way better world if there were so many more people like my dad. Very special. We're all hurting. This is a tough time. Known by many as Canada's hockey dad, Walter inspired people, especially his son Wayne, who has always credited his father for his accomplishments. When Wayne was three years old, his father built him a backyard rink. It is where he learned the most important lesson when it comes to hockey. Go where the puck is going, not where it has been. I'm so proud of the fact that so many people have reached out and given him such great tributes because he deserves it. He has a heart of gold and just wonderful. <laughs>
Walter died at the age of 82 after a long battle with Parkinson's disease. Diagnosed in 2012, he never let the illness hold him back. You would find him about town in a local hockey rink and assisting with a whole slew of local, provincial, national and international charities, including the CNIB Foundation for the Blind, a charity in which the entire Gretzky family is involved in. While mourners celebrate Walter's legacy, a memorial grows outside of his son's namesake arena in Brantford. Walter was the true great one. Uh, his leadership, everything he did for the community. They mean a lot to our community. Um, they've done a lot for our community. Um, Walter Gretzky was a, a great guy. Sweetest guy you ever meet. In 2007, Walter was named to the Order of Canada for his dedication to the sports and also for his charity work. Even in his death, he continues to be a role model for hockey dads. In the back of my mind, I, I, I think about how good of a dad he was and how good of a dad I want to be. A fitting goodbye to a man who was a friend to all and a real hometown hero. Morgan Campbell, Global News. The body of a Canadian soldier who was found dead in his quarters at the Canadian Embassy in Afghanistan last month will return to Canada on Sunday. The Defence Department says the cause of Master Warrant Officer Guy Adam Law's death is under investigation and is being assessed as non-operational. Law was originally from Saskatoon and had been working at the Embassy since last August as a facility operator and maintenance officer. Law joined the Canadian Armed Forces in 1991 as an infantry soldier with the North Saskatchewan Regiment. As vaccinations ramp up in the U.S., caution warnings, uh, by health, caution warnings by health authorities are being overshadowed by announcements of more loosened COVID restrictions, and that means the worst may be yet to come. The CDC says several states are moving too quickly to open. The U.S. is averaging 62,000 new cases and 1,900 new, case, new deaths a day. According to a new CDC report, states that don't require face masks see an increase in COVID cases and deaths up to 100 days later. Authorities also say states that allow indoor dining have a spike in deaths and cases more than three months later. A tourist destination popular with British Columbians is set to reopen on April 1st, but border closures and travel restrictions will continue to prevent you and I from visiting Disneyland anytime soon. The happiest place on earth will open April 1st, potentially, to limited capacity if Orange County remains in the red tier with strict health and safety protocols in place, including face masks. Under this tier, counties can have up to seven new COVID cases a day per 100,000 people and positive test rates of up to 8%. For the first time in the 65-year history of Disneyland, the iconic California theme park initially shut down for a month on March 12th and remained closed as the pandemic swept through the country. Movie theaters are set to open in New York after being shut for nearly a year. Cinemas will only be allowed 25% capacity with no more than 50 people per screen. Moviegoers must continue to wear masks and obey social distancing rules as well. While many studios have moved to releases directly online, AMC reopened all 13 of its New York City theaters on Friday. 
Meanwhile, in Europe, fast-spreading COVID-19 variants appear to be powering another rise in infections. In one suburb of Milan, Italy, the virus swept through a nursery and a nearby elementary school with alarming speed, infecting 45 children and 14 staff members in just a few days. Genetic analysis confirms it was the highly contagious B117 variant first identified in the UK. Pope Francis met with Iraq's top Shiite cleric today during his historic visit to the country. The 40-minute meeting in the Grand Ayatollah Ali al-Sistini's home was years in the making. Every detail was negotiated by the Ayatollah's office and the Vatican. The two delivered a powerful message of peaceful co coexistence, urging Muslims in Iraq to embrace the Christian minority there. The dwindling Christian community has faced violence and persecution for decades. And the Pope also visited Ur, the ancient birthplace of Prophet Abraham, hoping, to, hoping, the figure, hoping the figure revered by Christians, Jews and Muslims can spur reconciliation. In India, thousands of farmers blocked a major highway to mark the 100th day of protests against new agricultural laws. For five hours, they used tractors and even their own bodies to stop traffic just outside New Delhi. For more than three months, tens of thousands of farmers have been demanding the controversial laws be repealed. They say the new rules will hurt them by opening up the agricultural sector to private players. But India's government says the laws are much-needed reforms to modernize the country's agriculture industry. The anonymous British artist who calls himself Banksy has struck again. Let's just take off and have some fun today. With the voice of artist Bob Ross narrating, the anonymous artist has posted a video of himself spray painting his stencil work on the side of a former British prison. Uh, the work depicts a prisoner escaping down a wall using bed sheets as a rope with a typewriter at the end of the sheets. It's believed to be a tribute to Oscar Wilde, who served two years in the prison in the 1890s for the charge of gross indecency for being gay. In Health Matters tonight, we know climate change is having a big impact no matter where you live. For example, those of us in B.C. can be affected by wildfire smoke from Southern California, not to mention from the Okanagan. And a new study now shows wildfire smoke is up to 10 times more harmful than other air pollutions. When smoke blankets an entire region, it doesn't just look apocalyptic. New research shows it causes significant harm by aggravating chronic lung and heart conditions, triggering asthma attacks, strokes, and heart attacks. That day when it was really orange skies, I was tired. So it felt like it took energy. I sort of have mild asthma and so even trying to run a little bit with the smoke was very exhausting for my lungs. Researchers of a new study looked at 14 years of air quality and hospital emission data. Our study was the first to show an effect at the population level. Tom Coringham and fellow researchers at UC San Diego's Scripps Institution of Oceanography report wildfire smoke is up to 10 times more harmful than other air pollution like car exhaust, factories or power plants. These are significant impacts that extend beyond just the area of the fire and, and have, uh, have wide-reaching uh, health implications. Researchers say wildfires often release tiny particles called PM2.5 that are much smaller than a human hair. They can enter lungs and the bloodstream. Given the changing climate, researchers say lawmakers need to focus even more on fire prevention.
Researchers now believe sleep apnea is related to an increased risk of cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease. The study from the American Academy of Neurology examined patients with cognitive impairment and found that more than half had obstructive sleep apnea. Those with a sleep disorder also tested lower on thinking and memory skills. He's not loony, just committed to his dream of getting to the moon. We'll see him at some point. Why it could happen? We're going to have that story for you right after the forecast. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I need to go to the moon, but, um, but a little dry weather like today, like this afternoon, that was nice. It was nice. Uh, we have a bit of a blip in the forecast, and then our long range is going to be uh, fantastic. It'll be mild back into some sunshine. First off today, though, it was pleasant. Temperatures did manage to bump up. Even for the interior, we had double digits for a few spots to point out with Kamloops up to 13 degrees, Lillooet 10, both Victoria and out of the airport for Vancouver, climbing up to 11 degrees, the average for this time of the year since closer to nine. Tower cam right now, Wall Center Hotel. We're currently sitting at eight. We do have the wind southeasterly at 17 kilometers per hour, and it'll be breezy for many areas that are closer to the water overnight and continuing through the day for our Sunday. Now, here's the precipitation that we're following. It is going to be just a chance of showers for tonight. We'll hang on to that cloud cover. Spotty for most areas and not much in terms of precipitation, but as we get in behind, this is the next weather maker and frontal system that is going to push in, and this cold front is going to bring lots of instability especially for the southern half of the province and stretching into both the central and southern interior. So the timeline and what we'll see as we get in towards tomorrow morning, it'll be showers for all areas across the south coast, some heavier pockets. As we get in towards the afternoon and early evening, we actually have the risk or the potential for thunderstorms, hail potentially embedded within that, and we are looking at snow a significant amount, especially for higher elevations if you're traveling along any of the mountain passes. And then once we get past tomorrow, we'll be back into some sunshine. Here's the current shot on the Coquihalla. This evening, most of the mountain passes will be seeing flurries, potentially up to two centimeters. But tomorrow, stay tuned and check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. We're looking at a significant amount along the Coquihalla, 15 and up to 25 centimeters. The Allison Rogers and Kootenay Pass, upwards of 10. Sea to sky for Whistler could even see six and up to eight centimeters by tomorrow night. And lesser amounts, but still accumulating snowfall along the connector between two and up to four centimeters. The northern half of the province will see some flurries and then changing over to a chance of showers towards the afternoon. A bright spot across the province and calm will be for the northeastern corners. Now the central and southern interior, all areas will be included with that instability, starting off with flurries for the morning, changing to showers, and then that risk of a thunderstorm is going to pick up through the afternoon and continue towards the early evening. It'll be a touch cooler for tomorrow. We'll be back into the single digits in all areas across the south coast. Heads up, especially through the day tomorrow, thunderstorms and the risk of hail. Temperatures will be up to 8 degrees. And then, Colleen, it's the long-range forecast. It looks spectacular. Oh. Double digits and a fair bit of sunshine in the mix as well. And pretty exciting over the next 24 hours. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Yvonne. A Japanese billionaire has launched a worldwide search for eight would-be astronauts, crewmates, to join him on a trip to the moon on a SpaceX flight two years from now. Kristen Robinson has the story of a BC man who's hoping to fulfill his lifelong lunar ambitions by being chosen for the mission. I need your help. Self-described space nerd Brett Anderson is on a mission. Going to space, becoming an astronaut is my biggest dream and goal in life. Now he has a shot. Fly me to the moon. 
the Victoria restaurant manager has applied to be one of eight crew members. On Japanese entrepreneur Yusaku Maizawa's ride to the moon on SpaceX's Starship rocket. The first civilian lunar mission, Dear Moon. I'm just always fascinated by staring at the stars and um, I just feel like I, I kind of belong up there. The lifelong stargazer says he almost made it in 2015. I won Land Rover's global competition in which the grand prize was a trip to space. Unfortunately, the shuttle I was supposed to fly on crashed. Now he has faith in Elon Musk. This mission we expect uh, people will go further than any human has ever gone from planet Earth. Some of the recent uh, prototypes, yeah, have not landed perfectly, but uh, they weren't expecting to either. His journey starts on Earth. Helping people is my passion. Getting the Japanese billionaire's attention. I would love the opportunity to help tell the story and bring the whole world along with me on this adventure. And proving he's worthy of a seat on the all-expenses-paid space odyssey. Life's too short to just not go for the big dreams that you want to go for. While he's not over the moon yet, Anderson says things are looking up. I'm wearing my lucky Hawaiian shirt. Please cross your fingers and hopefully I'll see you in space. Kristen Robinson, Global News. So Barry, that's why the Hawaii shirt. Yeah, it's his, it's lucky, his shirt. lucky shirt. I was wondering lucky about that. Shirt. I wasn't sure if that was going to help his bid, but if it's his lucky shirt, <laughs> we should. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you got coming up? Uh, well, Canucks looking for back-to-back -back wins for the first time in a month, and they're playing really well right now against the Leafs. It's late. It's 3-2 Canucks. By the time I see you again, the game could be over, so I'll have highlights of that coming up. I suggest we don't watch. It hasn't been easy, and for many, that's an understatement. Still, we've also overcome a lot this pandemic year. But medical experts also warn the fight against COVID-19 is far from over. Global's Lauren Pullen takes us through what we've seen, where we are now, and what's still to come. This last year has definitely been an emotional roller coaster. Reflecting back on a year like no other. The most striking thing is just maybe how unprepared the world was for an event like this. I've seen a lot of people struggle. I've seen a lot of people die. A life-shattering toll, losing grandparents, parents, family and friends, and pressing pause indefinitely on an everyday world that will never be the same. I think for everybody's mental health, I think it's, it's really important to know that there is an end to this and that we will one day get back to where we want to be. And after months of darkness, a dose of hope. It's an amazing accomplishment to be able to have a new virus come out, which has completely changed the world. And within a year, we have solutions to these problems. That, in my mind, is probably the greatest uh, compliment to humanity and to science. While we aren't in the clear and there very well may still be hurdles to come, the belief is by this fall with mass vaccination, we should have some semblance of normalcy. Yes, it will be different. Experts say things like masks, plexiglass and hand hygiene may stay put, possibly even an annual COVID shot. But perhaps most poignant over the last year has been the painstaking reality check of what really matters. We have learned that our greatest strength is being together. I think I've learned that overall humanity is fantastic. Although the past year has felt so long in many respects, I think at the same time, it's just shown what people are capable of. Lauren Pullen, Global News.
Just before we get to Barry in sports, we want to show you an amazing shot in the first round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Florida. Watch what Nicholas Thompson does on the 17th. Well, we just watched Nicholas take his shoes and socks off, then go from pants Frank to knickers, and then to our championship. He knows how to hit this shot. Frank, by the way, Nicholas just had a little fun with the crowd, kind of dipped his toe in the water like he would <laughs> when you go to the ocean, kind of said, ah, it's not too bad. How about this? He's deep in there, Frank. Well, it might be overcast. What is it, close to 80 degrees? You can go swimming in that. Man, and, and by the way, that's mud down there. See how the bunker goes straight into that water? It is muddy in there. This could come out and come out over. Oh. There's mud in your eye, right? Not bad. Got to play it where it lies sometimes. No yeah, those guys are pretty good. No kidding. Take it away, man. Worth, worth the mud on the pants. That's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Colleen. Uh, well, other than a uh, four-game win streak at the end of January, the Canucks had not put back-to-back -back wins together at any other time this season, and that's all you really need to know why they are sitting sixth in the seven-team North Division. But a chance to get a second straight win against the Leafs this afternoon at Rogers, and they would have to do it again without Elias Pettersson, who's missed the last two games with an upper body injury. Austin Matthews, season-long four-game goalless drought, uh, still leads the NHL with 18. With Matthews in the penalty box, Canucks strike on the power play. Beautiful passing off the rush. J.T. Miller to Brock Besser, who tips in his 13th, but his first in eight games, and it's one nothing. Canucks, and that's good they score the first goal because they've not won this year when they've surrendered the first goal. Antoine Roussel and Austin Matthews battling. Roussel has to do more of this more often. He's a pain, and when he does that, he gets the stars on the other team off their game. But the Leafs do tie it. Alex Kerfoot with the deft touch pass to John Tavares, who rifles one short side pass Demko, who was uh, still very sharp in this game, but a good shot by Tavares, 1-1 after one. Early second, Leafs on the rush. T.J. Brody threads it through Tyler Myers to Jimmy Vesey. He finishes to give the Leafs a 2-1 lead. Canucks try to get it back. J.T. Miller with the quick shot, but Freddie Anderson with the glove save here to keep it 2-1. But the Canucks really did work hard, had a lot of the puck, had a lot of zone time, then shorthanded Brandon Sutter with a chance to tie. But again, Anderson there. Canucks 14 shots in the period, but trailed 2-1 after two. They're 0-13-1 when trailing after two. Maybe they're due. Maybe they need a break like this one when William Nylander flips the puck over the glass, delay a game penalty, and the Canucks take full advantage on the power play. Brock Besser point shot tipped in by the captain, Bo Horvat, his 11th. And it's tied 2-2, and that really changed the tone of this game. On the very next shift, Besser's shot hits Morgan Riley in the skates right to J.T. Miller, who bangs it in. Finally, some puck luck for the Canucks. 3-2 Vancouver. And then rookie Nils Hoaglander will rocket one under the crossbar. Originally waved off on the ice, but on the replay, clearly off the inside bar. A great shot by the rookie, his fifth goal as the Canucks do it for the first time, beat the Leafs 4-2, back-to-back wins for the first time in over a month. All right, Jets and Habs from Montreal. Josh Anderson back after missing three games with a lower body injury. And right on cue, Anderson takes advantage of a fortunate bounce off the glass, fires it into the open Jets net. His 10th, one nothing Canadians who had lost the first three against Winnipeg this year. Second period, Tyler Toffoli. Boy, this is a snipe shot. His 15th goal, second most in the NHL. That hurts for Canucks fans. 2-0 Habs. 
And then Brendan Gallagher, the former giant, always around the net. Quick release there, his first of two, as the Habs go on to hammer the Jets by the final of 7-1. to one. And Sabres and Islanders, Coquitlam's Matt Barzell, one of the most talented players in hockey, showing his stuff today. Spectacular between-the-legs goal here against the Sabres as the Isles win it by the final of 5-2. to two. Barzell, nine goals, 23 points for the first-place Isles, but none more spectacular than that one. Golf now, third round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational from Orlando. Canadian Corey Connors, a one-shot lead when the day began. Jordan Spieth was a human highlight reel today. Birdied his first hole, then at the second, 222-yard par three, five iron for Jordan. Said he hit it a little thin, but it was a happy mistake because he gets a great bounce and it just tracks into the hole for the ace. Spieth three under through two holes. He made a 30-footer and a 15-footer to save par later on his front side. And then at the seventh, out of the bunker, he does it again. Holes out for a birdie. He got it to 11-under at one point, but ended at 9-under, tied for fourth. Bryson DeChambeau talked all week about trying to drive the green on this par five. A long way over the water. Do you believe it? He nukes it right over top. It's a 370-yard drive, a 340-yard carry. He would end up making a birdie. Even Bryson was pumped up about that one. And uh, we'll have more from him later. Corey Connors at the sixth. Third shot on the par five. Nice touch by Connors, who played the par fives in 10 under through three rounds. That certainly leads the field. He completes the job at six with the birdie putt. And he's tied for the lead at that point. Back to DeChambeau at the 12th. He has improved his short game so that he can take advantage of all those bomb drives. This led to birdie. DeChambeau post 10 under, and that is tied for second. Now to Connors in the fairway at 12. 260 yards out. Look at that smooth, beautiful tempo with the fairway metal. Finds the narrow opening. Puts that one onto the green. Made a two-putt birdie. And he's tied for the lead again at 10 under. 47-year-old Lee Westwood of England joining the party too. Had a strong finish. Eagled the 16th. And then at the tough 18th, a 28-footer for birdie. And the lead, and count it, Westwood with a one-shot lead at 11 under par. Connors, meanwhile, playing 18, third shot out of the bunker. This is clutch. He would make the par. He's just one back of Westwood. He'll play in the second-last group with Keegan Bradley. That might be a better spot than in the final group for Connors as he seeks his second PGA Tour win. Opening weekend of the Briar from Calgary's bubble. Alberto's Brendan Botcher, certainly one of the contenders. He's lost in the final of the last three Briars, taking on Manitoba today. Ninth end, nice raised double here to score two. And Alberta takes a 4-3 lead. Tenth end, Manitoba with an opportunity, though, to get the win after a Botcher miss. Javen, uh, Jason rather Ginlogson with the final stone, an open draw for two. That's no problem for him as Manitoba wins 5-4. BC represented by Steve Lake. Cock and Jim Cotter out of Vernon. They're on the ice right now for their opener versus New Brunswick, tied at one in the fourth end. And English Premiership, Jamie Vardy and Leicester City taking on Brighton and Hove Albion. Foxes were down 1-0 at the half, but equalize in the 62nd. Kalechi Iannaccio chips it in, ties it up 1-1. And then late off the corner kick, Daniel Amarty. Unmarked bounces in the header. Leicester City win 2-1. They're solo second as of now. Two points up on Man United, who meet first place Man City tomorrow. And Alfonso Davies and Bayern Munich taking on Borussia Dortmund. 
Bayern fell behind 2-0 but rallied to tie it. Then in the 88th, Leon Goretzka gives Bayern the lead, smashing the volley from just inside the box. 3-2 Bayern. And just 90 seconds after that, Davies down the left side, plays it into the middle for Robert Lewandowski, who hammers in his hat-trick goal. And Bayern win again 4-2, but they're just two points ahead of second place Leipzig. And Colleen, that is in the Bundesliga. It is in the Bundesliga. You know, we've just been talking about what a great winter it's been here on the South Coast. But, you know, for a lot of folks in this country, winter has not been that easy. But one family in Montreal is making the best of it. In fact, they're hoping the cold weather sticks around a little bit longer. You're about to see why. Building backyard snow forts is all too common in the winter. But being neighbors with this one might be a bit unfair. He's got younger kids, so smaller. We've got bigger kids, so bigger. <laughs> Welcome to the Huxham family snow fort, or should I say private movie theater. You know, he took quite a long time <laughs> doing it, but then what else is there to do uh, during a pandemic? Taking eight days with walls completely built of compacted snow, the screening room spans some four meters long and two meters wide, all covered by a tarp roof. It's just big enough for the family of five and their two dogs great because it's a nice little sort of bonding area and we all just snuggle in together and watch movies. The outdoor lounging area is fully equipped with cozy blanket covered snow benches, a fireplace, Wi-Fi, electricity and don't forget la pièce de résistance, the 65-inch screen projector. Yeah, I think at a certain point we might have gone a little overboard, but in our, in our mind we're thinking we're going to try to make this feel as homey as possible, so why not? Should we have some Nigerian pieces and then some more Canadian kind of like items? It's homey so all right. The space is decorated from top to bottom with a mix of Canadian log chic and African heritage with these hand-carved lamps from Nigeria. Uh, uncut gems we've watched. Um, the family says they use the space almost every night, watching movies and hanging out. Uh, I slept in here one time. Um, we had the fire going, so it was kind of keeping us pretty warm. The family hopes the cold weather and the igloo will hold up for a few more weeks. Well, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm hoping that, uh, that we're going to keep the cold front for a little bit longer. An ice house. So they can enjoy more nights like this out of the house while still at home. Braden Jagger-Haynes, Global News, Montreal. Okay, Yvonne, what kind of temperatures are we expecting? Uh, we had double digits today mm -hmm. and uh, temperatures tomorrow maybe at 8 degrees. So nothing in comparison. We, we can't no hold igloo, up at any No fort. igloos uh, no. to be made here. No, <laughs> and, and Barry, you're pretty happy about that. Yeah, so. Although your beer would always be cold in there. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Very true. That's the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11. Good night.